I'm smart. I like learning. And hip-hop is how I manage. And it taught me lessons. And I was like, shoot, if I could, how can I get hip-hop to a bunch of young people in a way that's applicable? Welcome to Black Educators Matter. This is more than a moment. It's a movement. Hey, it's Danielle. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. Our goal is to share the stories of 500 Black educators. We will celebrate the impact and achievement, learn from the lessons and challenges, and highlight the important roles that educators play in all of our lives. I'm excited to welcome today's guest to our show. As a do now, please tell us your name, your role in education, and answer the question, why do Black educators matter? Yo, what's good, Danielle? My name is Julian Johnson Marshall. And before I answer any questions, let me say thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here with you. But why do Black educators matter? We matter because we're the mirror. We are potential realized. And when young people see somebody who looks like them living a mildly successful life and they dress fly, and they talk cool and they love you and you know they love you just for being you that does something to your ability to achieve because we end up pouring into children and they leave us with a cup that's a little bit more full and by the time they get done with us and i say us because hopefully you have a black educator from kindergarten through the time you graduate the first time. And if they get a black educator every time, imagine what kind of kids you're going to get. Ooh, I love the way you said that. Potential realized and the impact it has on a child's ability to achieve. What's your role in education? <laughs> I am an English teacher at De La Salle Charter School in Kansas City. And it has been a dream come true to be teaching high school. I am teaching freshmen and juniors and seniors. So I'm that guy. I get you at the beginning and I get you at the end. How long have you been an English teacher? I've been an English teacher for three years now. Perfect. Yeah. And where are you from? So you're you teaching in Kansas City. Yes, Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas Missouri. City, Missouri. I am, from, I am not from Kansas City, Kansas. Don't. Yes. Um, I am from Kansas City, Missouri. I am born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. This is my hometown. I love this place. But I do, I will be leaving at some point. But I love this place. Like, it, this is home. This is where my first seeds were planted. This is where my first trees are blooming. This is a great place to live. Great so place to live and work. How was your educational experience as a kid growing up in Kansas City, Missouri? Mm. See, I'm privileged in that. I'm privileged in that. My mom, at the end of her life, had three degrees one bachelor's and two masters. That's a different level of a beast that you're dealing with, right? So my sister and I, we went to charter schools all the way through eighth grade, charter and or public schools all the way through eighth grade. And then my mom did the buckaroo switch on us, like her mom did, and sent us to, <laughs> sent us to private school in the suburbs with the white folk. And that experience was was actually great 
because I learned to love myself and my culture and only saw myself in my culture every single day until the last day of eighth grade. And then I had to learn how to take that pride and make it work in a space where my culture was no longer dominant, but we still had the pulse of the school. So my educational experience was was lit, honestly. I was a very smart kid, very, very smart kid. I sat at the, what do they say, the cream rises to the top? Yeah, that was me until I got to high school. Because then I was in a pool with folks that were just as smart as me and smarter. And it was, I mean, that kind of drive, that turned me into a whole different beast. So, so your elementary school, did you have black educators? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had my first black teacher when I was in kindergarten. Yeah, I had a black teacher in kindergarten, first grade, white male teacher. He was pretty cool in second grade, white woman teacher in third grade. Fourth grade, I want to say she was a Latino woman. Fifth grade, my ELA teacher was black. Sixth grade, my social studies teacher and advisor was black. Seventh grade, my band teacher, my social studies teacher, and my English teacher were black. Eighth grade, my my football coach, my math teacher, were black. Yeah, yeah. So how did that compare to your high school experience? Ooh, we girl. Ninth grade, my computer science teacher was black. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think. Like we did have, she was like the chief diversity officer, Mama McCoy. And our college placement director was black. Miss Okay. Yeah, Miss Okay. Yeah, I can't pronounce her name right, so I'm not going to say it. Miss Fowler. <laughs> okay. So yeah. it was different, but still, your educational experience was lit. And honestly, that's the dream that everybody has a yeah. lit educational experience yeah. with exposure to educators from all backgrounds. Like, that's, I mean, that's the dream. But you talked about having kindergarten through eighth grade having different black educators influence you in different areas. What did that do for your sense of pride? Man, I've never been asked that question, actually. I've never had to examine it from the role of a child. What did that do for my sense of pride? It was wild. Honestly, like I think back to first grade with Miss Selena Smith. My goodness, we had a good time. We had a great time. You know how every elementary school you got to do the, you know, who am I little book? Man, we used to do those as a whole class. You got 26 kids in the class. Everybody gets to go at least once. So you get two books, like, in your whole class to celebrate. Man, that was that was dope. And to be in, in, in at that school, it was a black school. The principal was black. The superintendent was black. Like, I don't know. <laughs> to come in and, and, and when you sit with the fellas it sounds like the barbershop when you sit around the adults you know you hear the same conversations that you hear at home and you hear the girl don't be don't be afraid to call me I'll come up here wait a minute wait a second y'all don't know each other but you call my mama calling my teacher sister friend my mom my mom used to go to Steinmark it was a big department store I don't know if y'all had them in Chicago mm-hmm. but think like Carson's mm-hmm like, that's Steinmart, but bigger, right? My mom used to go to Steinmart and drag me and my little sister with her. And the only way we could have fun was by running through the uh, 
you know, through clothes racks. And one day I pop through one clothes rack and I look up and who is it? Miss Smith grabs me. Boy, Grace, where is your mother? And like that kind of community, that's a different, that made me value community in a different kind of way all the way through eighth grade. All, like every every time, every time I had a black teacher, it was just like some sort of connection, I guess, between my mom and them and the parent and the academia side mixing. It, it just formed a different kind of community. That community is so real. How did you take all of these experiences and how did that lead you to begin a career in education? How do we get here where now you are the adult teaching in your hometown? Did you go to school declared education major? No, none of that had anything to do with me becoming a teacher. <laughs> to me, none of that had, that just, that just made me, a, I think it made me a dope person. But how I became a teacher, my leadership journey started when I was in middle school and high school through the Boy Scouts. And I found my way to Chicago, went to Loyola University of Chicago, pledged and, and had that great experience. But I had a huge tragedy that just threw my life off. My mom went home. And while I was sitting there trying to like figure out everything with that, at the same time, me and Trayvon Martin are three months apart in age. Tamir Rice had just died. Freddie Gray had just died. Sandra Bland had just died. And my school had these crazy policies that were just oppressive to student voice. And you mix all of that together and you put it in a black skin, a smart black skin. It just boils. And it spilled out in two ways. I only, every paper I wrote from my sophomore year on in every class was about being somehow some aspect of blackness was tied into that essay or paper or research project in every class, no matter the cost. Like I failed a fiction class because I refused to not write black stories. And then hip hop at the time was going berserk. This is 2013 and 2017. Everybody remembers summer 16, but nobody remembers what happened in 2013 and 14. You had Drake's album, So Far Gone, and then the baby album, Nothing Was the Same. You had Good Kid, Mad City, and To Pimp a Butterfly. Outkast got back together. <laughs> Fife Dog, and had announced that a tribe, was, a tribe Called Quest was doing another album. 444 came out. And man, when those two worlds mixed, I was like, yeah, I got to share this with some young people. And so I started doing some mentoring. And that mentoring after I graduated turned into a job, which turned into me becoming a teacher. That's incredible. So, you know, it just was a mix of I'm smart. I like learning and hip hop is how I managed. And it taught me lessons. And I was like, shoot, if I could, how can I get hip hop to a bunch of young people in a way that's applicable? Teach. 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 Does a shared identity and connectedness exist between you and your Black students? And if so, how did you identify it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's a shared identity and a connectedness. Yeah. The last five years, been working with kids, Black kids and Black kids only. Like, I don't work in suburban areas. 
I refuse to do so. And if I do work in a suburban area, you tell me, show me the black kids. They need to be successful, but let me get these black babies. And how do I recognize it? On day one, I walk in and I just look like, I look at them and be like, what's good? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> when was the last time you had a black man educator? Oh, never? Great. I'm the first one. We about to kick it. Well, how how we about to kick it? Look, where are you from? <laughs> Describe your neighborhood to me. Yeah, mine look the same way. Right now, the house that I live in right now, my neighborhood look the same way. What's your mama's top 10, you know, best hits? I ain't one of your little friends. Go take that chicken out. I bet that room better be clean. If I hear another hee hee, I'm going to come in with a ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, my mama had the same hits. My mama had the same hits. Your mama got a side eye glare? Mine too. That's oh, that yeah. real community uh, and real connectedness. Right. Like, we all right. understand that language. Right. What you listening to right now? Like, day one, whenever I meet new students, day one, first day of class, even next semester, first day or next trimester for my school, first day of class. I don't care if you've been in my class before. Favorite song, favorite album. So what's your I favorite song? What's your favorite album? <laughs> I'll walk myself into this. You, you um, straight into it. My favorite album is Equimini by Outkast. Hands down. It is the best. It is the number one album of all time. From a group. Let me put that. Equimini by Outkast is the greatest album by a group. My favorite song. Oh, that's tough. It's a tie between Public Service Announcement by Jay-Z and Elevators by Outkast. What do the kids say when you ask them? Well... Do you ever discuss your favorite songs with them and how do they respond? So I realized I'm old and I'm only in my 20s. I realized I'm old. I'm in this, I did this with my freshmen and with my juniors and seniors too. And I realized I'm old. One day I was just feeling in a real jigger-ish mood. You know how you just wake up and you be like, this is a day to bumps with Jay-Z. See, that's the thing. Jay-Z is my number one MC dead or alive, right? And so I'm, I woke up that day and I was just like, it's a jigger type of day. I'm about to be productive, and I want to listen to some bass, and I want to hear some bars. And so I'm playing jigger in class while you know while they had a work time, and I and, and one of them was like, "I ain't heard this song. I've never heard this song." And I'm like, "What? What do you mean you've never heard this song?" And they're like, "Jay Z. We don't listen to Jay Z. He's old school." And I'm like, "But he just put out an album." <laughs> He just put out an album. They was like, yeah, three years ago. And I was like, wait, that's not a long time. And it was like, Mr. Marshall, Future put out an album last week. And I was like, I know. It was like, yeah, and he put one out last year. It's like, I know. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Y'all are used to this every 12 months. Somebody needs to give you 12 tracks. I'm old. But we listen to the same music, right? Like, if, I, if I'm if i in a young mood, I'll tell them, like, yo, somebody start sending me, send them through the chat. You know, send a send a DJ request line through the chat. Like if I can find it on Spotify, we'll play it. But I'm not going to YouTube. I'm not. Listening to YouTube. <laughs> I, I love. Like going to SoundCloud. I love using rap music to cope. I think I love having a rap concert to deal with and get you in a mood. This is just one of many stories, and we want to keep the conversation going. Follow us on Instagram at BlackEducators.Matter. Visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.org. Help build the movement by joining our Patreon. Now, let's get back to our Project 500 podcast.
So outside of having your students share that Jay-Z moment with you and having these musical exchanges, what has been like the most impactful moment you've had as an educator, reflecting on your three years as a teacher, five years with mentoring and all the work that you've done? My most impactful moment? When my hands went into the wet concrete and left a mark? Yeah. Or a moment that left a mark on you. An educator moment that's left a mark on you. I got both, actually. The moment for me that is stuck, and I was like, this works, was my first year teacher. And my first year in the classroom was hell. And it wasn't because of the kids. It wasn't because I couldn't teach. It was because of the school I worked at. It was just the, the format of the school just made me feel... I had imposter syndrome. I thought I wasn't good. I thought I wasn't good. And I, was, I wasn't I was a great teacher. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I wasn't a great teacher. I don't... I wasn't able to just, like... You know how when you're teaching, you can just sense it and be like, nope, this is where I need to go? And you can come up with that question up here and you never wrote it down, never thought about it. But you just like, mm, I need to ask this to just shift it. And it, it happens. I didn't have that. But I had really strong relationships. And towards the end of the year, they the school got us gifts where they took some quotes from kids. And uh, they put them on, they, they framed them for us. And all my kids was like, he's sometimes hard on us, but he loves us. He really likes hip-hop, and I like that he likes hip-hop. It makes everything understandable. And I was like, damn, it worked. It worked. Like, it, it, it worked. It was a theory. And as an English teacher, my idea was, all right, I'm going to try when we get to figurative language. We gonna, I'm going to break down simile, metaphor, personification, onomatopoeia, and hyperbole in like three songs. And it worked. And the moment I did that, my kids just on the slide was just like, hey, every time we got to do something to learn a new skill, can we find a way to match it to a song? I was like, yo. And that was the moment for me that I was like, okay, this works. I can do this. If I can find a classroom in a school where I can be, where I can kind of write stuff on my own, I can do this. And the moment that struck me, like a kid moment on me, when I run into my kids in the store, like I ain't taught you in two, three years, right? And you catch me in the store and you, Mr. Marshall, what's good? How you doing? How's life? You know? And they tell me, you know, what's going on and who they got. And now, like, I teach kids that I taught when I was at my first school. They now at my high school. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Do you know lots of other black male English teachers? Black male English teachers know black male teachers. Heck yeah. Good for we're you. Unicorns. Yeah, we're unicorns and we flock together. I always tell, I always try and push guys who like think about it. Like I try and tell them like, yeah, come on, man, teach. Like you can do it. Like you can do it. I tell them like, come on, man, you can teach and, and kids need you. But yeah, I got a, I'm connected to a, I'm in a collective here in Kansas City called the Block Brothers Liberating Our Community. So that's a collective of black male educators. We have it's a space for us to affirm, develop, and retain black male educators, Kansas City. And then that has connected me with Black Male Educator Group on Facebook, where we're nationwide. That group is nationwide, ticking on, you know, 
several thousand teachers, mm-hmm. I think, or, or or at least about a thousand, and then I'm in a group meet with, with about another 50. So, yeah, we're unicorns. And whenever I tell guys, you know, black male educators, I tell them, quit. If you don't like the school you at, quit. Like, you're going to find a job. Everybody wants you. It don't matter. I mean, as long as you got good data, go find another school. Go back to school. <laughs> go back to school and then go back to the classroom. I think a lot of times black men, we we get thrusted up into administration really quickly. And that ends up taking us out of direct impact and direct service, which cuts what we can do in half. Right? Yeah. Or you so, get pushed you know, into discipline. Yeah, that ain't never gonna happen. I'm never gonna you will never find me being a disciplinarian. No. I will it, I mean and I ultimately do have a goal of being in some sort of administration. I wanna be the teacher that teaches teachers how to teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's that's what I want to do. But even if I'm doing that, even if I'm the school's instructional coach or I'm the English instructional coach, I don't care. I'm still teaching class. I'm still gonna teach class. You're not leaving you that build, classroom. No, you you build day schedule where they can come watch me and we'll have a meeting about what they saw. And I and then I'll go see them. Now that sounds like a good model. You said that you just need to be in a space where you can design your own. That sounds like a good model to me. So speaking of and, models, oh no, go ahead. No, 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 and, I, and and just that model is actually the best way to teach teachers how to teach. That's that's what you do for kids, right? That's what we do for kids. Whether it be guided practice, a workshop, a five E's lesson, it don't matter what kind of lesson it is. What are we gonna do? We're gonna model it, and then we're gonna send you back to try it on your own. And and then me as the teacher, I'm gonna come watch you try it on your own. And then we're going to have a discussion about what steps of thinking you did, what was effective and what wasn't. That's your day-to-day classroom. If you want good teachers to be good teachers, teach them to teach. Speaking of teaching teachers to teach and having good schools and good classrooms, what is the state of education in Black America and how did we get here? And I'm asking that question after what we just said because I think the the outcome is different for different people like for some people they only care about data and that's what good and that's what success looks like for them but for other people they care about educating the whole child which means understanding that learning happens that is not necessarily measured on a standardized test so when i'm asking like what is the state of education in black america and how did we get here juxtaposing that with if you want good teachers, teach them how to teach. Like, what's the goal? Do we want good teachers or do we want good test scores? You asking me? I want good teachers. I want good teachers. You want to know why? Because good teachers will get you good test scores. Come on. Good teachers will get you good test scores. So how do we skip that step and forget about the teaching of the teachers and only focus on student outcomes and test scores? Money. You got to find some way when the government, when when No Child Left Behind passed, like you got to understand what happened, what, what, what the ripple effect of No Child Left Behind is. Tell us, break it down. No Child Left Behind tied funding to achievement. It tied funding to achievement. So when you see the ripple effect of that, 
if you have been defunding communities through the through the policy of benign neglect for 30 years and then you have a law passed that ties the funding you receive to the achievement that you make you know with a multiplier of course for state population and such well, what do you think is going to happen in the states that have more of the communities that have been neglected for 30 years versus the communities that, well, those resources that we took from the black community and the brown community had to go somewhere. Where'd they go? They went across the tracks to the white communities. So you padding over here and stripping on one side. So what happens in 2001? Okay, well, let's try achievement to it. Now these communities, these black and brown communities, with these babies that are so bright now and, and that learn in so many different ways. Now we got to get them to take this test and they got to take this test and we need these good scores. Okay. So boom, th fast forward three years, four years, white guilt sets in. And now you have people boo-hooing about the state of urban education. So come on, all these white folks, Parachute in on your golden parachute. Come save these babies. Let's get these test scores. And some of those teachers were good. Some of those teachers are good. Don't get me wrong, but that's what they parachuted in. And more of them rocket shipped back out. And what they left in their wake was ash and ruin. Because they didn't teach these kids how to think. They taught them how to take a test. I'm that kid. I was in kindergarten in 2001. I'm that kid, but I had some good teachers along the way that was just like, yeah, you're going to learn how to do this skill because this skill is going to be essential for you to develop it into a competency. But I need you to be a good person too. I know how to talk to people, how to communicate, how to think on your own, how to, how to describe with some level of veracity and tenacity and resolution, what you are passionate about. And if I can do that well, then guess what? When you, when we put you in front, if I teach you how to think, and if I teach you how to articulate what you think, then when we put you in front of a state test, guess what? You will know then how to read the data analyze the data and regurgitate it in the correct form and we'll all be proficient and everybody will get money i'll get a raise <laughs> the school gonna get some more money so guess what homecoming tickets this year was 25 dollars. next year they ten dollars yeah let's do it again next year homecoming free because that's what you care about because that's, that's what you want to see benefit. Teach them how to think. What's your mindset around education? And when we look at the state of black and brown education in America, it used to be that being smart was a great thing. And it's somewhere between the crack babies, the crack babies' babies, and, and what we have now. Being smart is is stupid it's looked down upon no bump that every every big time baller i know every 
hood entrepreneur that I know is smart as hell and got they at got at least a diploma. Anyone that I know that's been successful, every hood entrepreneur is smart as hell. So that's the state of black education. We need good teachers before we get to good test scores. Hmm. Good teachers before we get to good test scores. Are schools designed for children of color? If you design them that way. Design is subjective. Design is subjective. I I am connected to, I'm in a very lucky place at my school where my, my school leaders have designed our school specifically to work in favor of students of color. I am connected to superintendents of major districts who are designing their districts to work for students of color, to principals who are designing their schools to work for students of color. Because when you design a school for students of color, guess what happens? Everybody thrives. The white kids was going to thrive anyway. The Asian kids was going to thrive anyway. Your black and brown kids can now thrive in everybody. What happens What happens when you pour water into a full cup? Overflow. Overflow. So if you design them that way, yeah, they'll work for kids of color. I want to move forward believing in a model of overflow for all of our students, all of our teachers, our parents, and our community. I want to receive that, that spirit of overflow. As you think about your own career and you and you just starting off, you have such a bright future ahead of you. What advice do you have for first year educators? Because I appreciate how you've mentioned the the impact of the school that you're in and what that plays on your own experience in education. So like what advice do you have for first year educators? Embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. There are going to be times where you just don't get it done. But embrace it. Learn from it. Figure out what you missed. It's not that you didn't have it. You got it in you. You just missed it. Or you didn't follow through. You didn't follow all the way through. It's like if you if you're shooting a jump shot and you don't let your arm fall the right way. Your shot's going to be off. So you got, like, you just got to work at it. You got to work at it. There's a, I, I wish you was recording it because it's right there. Don't wish for it, work for it. You want to be a good teacher. No, no, I don't, I've never met anybody who's a good teacher off the rip. There's certain things you just got to learn how to do. So embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. Embrace the learning process too. You spoke about imposter syndrome and how you had to overcome that. How did you, as a young black man, number one, recognize it and call it as imposter syndrome? Because I think a lot of times we don't recognize that we are dealing with imposter syndrome. We just will keep putting barriers in front of ourselves or not removing barriers because we think we're not smart enough or that we can't. But like you identified it and then you moved through it. How did you do that? I didn't. My mentor did. My mentor did. I was teaching fifth grade. He was teaching seventh grade. We went to the same high school. He graduated the spring before I got there. Right? 
but we had known each other because that's how our high school community worked. That's how our high school black community works. You know who graduated right ahead of you by at least, you know, four years. Like, it's like, you got to know your lineage. And so I just went to him to talk to him and I, I just let it out. And he was like, I'm gonna come see you teach tomorrow. Came and saw me teaching. He was like, bro, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. That's let me. Okay. So let me break this down to you. And he told me what, why I felt the way I did. And I was like, oh, how do I fix this? Boom, 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 boom. Do these things. Get into this mindset. Like when you get into that room, close that door. It's your space. When they come in there to watch you and observe you, they're there to watch you and observe you in your space. That space does not belong to them. This is a revolutionary space. You are the leader of this revolution in this classroom for those 30 kids. That's your space. Command your space. Command the respect you want in your space, and you will get the respect you want in your space. And that's how I learned to move through it. He called the imposter syndrome out in me. Shout out to having mentors, and shout out to being comfortable having somebody in your school that you could talk to and that you could be yeah. vulnerable with and with. Oof, I loved it. As you and were, he's now the executive director of the block. Is that right? That's big bro. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's how we move in Kansas City for black men. That's how we move. All right, black males, y'all trying to get into education. Kansas City, Missouri looking real good. They looking like they got a, a support network for you. And you've already, like, named out your elementary school teachers. Of course, this mentor that you just named and your mom and her, her role in your educational experience. But are there any Black educators that you would like to thank? Like, people who went out of their way to support you or pour into you that you'd like to just say thank you to right now? Yeah, okay. Here we go. Miss Selena Smith, first grade. Toriana Salem, our big sister. Dr. Vashon Smith, the mentor that I want. Dr. Keith Jones, the mentor that I have and will keep, even if I get Dr. Bashan Smith, Cornell Ellis, Gaston Woodland. Ooh, ooh, I'm forgetting some people. I'm forgetting some. Lucero Valderrama, Kai Manny, Kalila Lazenby, Christina Jackson, Tawar Kalandi, Aaron Wilmore, Jackie Molina, that squad, that's gang. Tanya Richardson, Jerry Washington. Sean Stalling, Chris Madden, Carolyn Dillon, Dorothea Henry, Lisa Griffin, Aaron Jones, Corey Boston, Jamal Harris, Jamie Lewis, Stephen Brown. Yeah, that's everybody. I love your story. I love your energy. I love the revolutionary space you are creating because you showing up authentically as you are, it has a positive influence on every single person that engages with you. Of course, our black and brown kids, but even the students that have never seen a black male educator, English teacher that can sit, break down whatever we talking about, whether it be some classical literature or some rap lyrics. Like you represent, like you said, the mirror and potential realized so thank you for sharing your gift thank you for sharing your story and everything that you've done it was it is and it always will be worth it so thank you mr johnson thank you thank you for listening to this episode of black educators matter 
Are you ready to share your story? Visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.org to sign up. Remember, make excellence equitable and thank a black teacher today.